Okay, well, hello everybody and welcome to a bit of a first for us here. Uh, this is both going to be an All Saints podcast and it's going to be Grace Classical Christian Academy podcast. I'm here with Josh Taylor, Headmaster of Grace Classical Academy. Uh, my name is Steve Jeffrey. I'm one of the pastors here at All Saints Presbyterian Church in Fort Worth. Yeah, we both have podcasts. That's a pleasure. Yeah. It's good to see you. Um, uh, and we are going to be actually recording a whole bunch of things this afternoon. It is Monday afternoon. And we, we want to talk a lot about education. Uh, and we're going to try and think it through from the perspective of uh, Josh as a head teacher. Uh, I'm a pastor. And uh, both of us are parents. And all the various considerations that we've wrestled with individually and, uh, and then personally, vocationally. We want to just talk through some of those issues and questions. Uh, but this was prompted by a bunch of questions that you asked, or one, one question in particular that you asked me. So why don't we kick off with that? We'll do a short segment on this, and then we'll stop the cameras, make sure everything worked, and then we'll jump straight in with some longer sections about uh, education, and we'll get from there. Yeah. So uh, something came to mind. We had Pastor Jeffrey come to the school a couple of weeks ago to speak to the upper school. And something I noticed about him, he brought a stopwatch and and I kind of gave him the schedule and, you know, say, I said from 8.15 to 8.30, we generally do these talks. And then uh, as soon as 8.30 rolls around, we move on. And, and it was very prompt and something that I very much appreciate. One of the things we talk about at the school is how to love each other well with our time, how to be mindful and how to think well of others and, and, uh, and, and be intentional in that regard. And so uh, it's something that I've noticed, you know, on Sunday mornings as well when you preach you always have a timer and you're always uh, cognizant of people's time or if someone chats with you after the service, you're mindful of uh, appointments that you need to be at, whether it be the forum or something else. And I appreciate it. I think it's something that we should subsidize as Christians as often as we can. Um, you know, as we say one of the things we say a lot at the school is you get more of what you subsidize and less of what you penalize. And uh, this is a high standard we call, you know, the, the students do at the school. And and uh, we as teachers should should be um we should be able to say you can imitate us right. as we do these things. So, so thinking about some of the principles of timeliness, is there anything that comes to the top? Uh, thinking scripture or, or maybe even proverbs. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, a, a, a couple of initial thoughts. The first is um, <laughs> the thought that I'm really good at keeping time <laughs> might come as a surprise to some of the folks at All Saints um, who are used to my sermons going on to the high side of thirty something minutes. Um, and to a certain extent, um, uh, I, I'm kind of joking there. Um, I, I plan to keep my sermons below 40 minutes. 35 is the optimum, and normally I'm between 35 and 40. Um, and that actually arises from conversations we've had as a session. And there have been times where we thought there are different parts of the service we need to, to tweak. Mm -hmm. But certainly it's our intention to honor people's time. And, and But it's not just about keeping things short. Uh, it's about making sure that what we're doing is a productive use of right. time. Maximized. So, Right, so I have no problem in um, preaching for 40 minutes if I think I have something that needs to be said. I have a real problem in, in spending two minutes talking if I don't think there's something valuable to be mm -hmm. said. And so really it's that optimization um, equation that, that's in my mind in one way or another. Now, the other thing that's in uh, a, an anecdote that, that came to my mind when we first had this conversation I'm, I used to be a pastor in England, and one of the things I would do was spend a lot of time each week on street evangelism. I'd go out and do street questionnaires, oh, cool. I would, I'd knock on doors, and really what I was, we were a very small church, and, I, and we had zero footprint in the community. Mm -hmm. We didn't have our own building, we had um, 
to we rented space in a school and I just thought anything I can do to increase our profile would be a good thing and so my aim always in those kind of encounters um, outside the, the train station or the bus station or in shops and cafes was my aim was always to get to a second meeting with somebody sure so if somebody is interested enough after a five-minute conversation when they're probably they're probably heading off somewhere else <clears throat> we're interested enough to say oh yeah sure okay let's meet up for a cup of coffee next Tuesday morning 11 o'clock or something if they're interested enough to do that I'm thinking that's great that's a step forward in relationship building and what I noticed um, something in excess of 80 or 85 percent of people who said yeah I'll, I'll come and see you at such and such a place never came mm. and I, I get that because they don't know me I don't know them they're probably not Christians, they're not that interested. They may have found it moderately interesting to have a quick conversation with a pastor in the street, but it wouldn't, well, you know, you know, the next morning other things take precedence and they're not that interested. But there was one guy who was fascinating. Um, he was, uh, I showed up at the cafe where we said we were gonna meet and he was there and he'd been there five minutes early mm. as well. And we got talking and I, and I said, can I ask you a question? Most of the people I arranged to meet don't show up. And um, uh, uh, and when they do, they show up late. And we would have Christians routinely showing up late for church, mm. which is driving me nuts. Anyway, so I got chatting to this guy, and he said, well, I spent a number of years in prison in America, as it happens, before we moved back to the UK. And there's nothing like that experience to teach you to value your time mm. and other people's. Sure. And I thought, that it's always stuck with me and I was you know we had a great friendship we built up a friendship over that time and he moved away from London eventually but we got to know each other quite well um, but the, the principle that he articulated is a really important one which is that time is this gift that you uh, only have so much of and which it's so easy to undervalue um, and I think my it's partly for my own sake. I, um, anybody who's got a busy job, most people have busy jobs. You know you can only accomplish a certain amount and you want to maximize your own efficiency. But I also want to respect other people and try and teach them to do the same. So I, I try to get places on time. I try to, to do what I say I'm going to do with timekeeping. Uh, I think you were very kind in your opening comments. I, I don't know that I'm that good at it. <laughs> I think probably um, uh, we've all got room for improvement. But sure. I, I, it's that... The underlying principle, we have this certain amount of time is gift from God um, before we die and await the resurrection. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that we'd like to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to waste other people's time and mine. So yeah. that's really what's driving it. No, that, that's, that's helpful. And over the years, uh, I mean, I've grown in this myself. It's certainly not always been a strength of mine. Um, you know, when I first started at the school, Bruce Williams, um, he was he was pivotal for me, like teaching me this principle. And and uh, probably the teachers at the school are probably thinking you did a podcast with your pastor because of, because, <laughs> of, because of our lateness. Uh, no, that's not the case. It's uh, it's one of those things I think we can, it bears repeating yeah. often. I mean, I think there's there's probably no clear biblical text I can think of that that states it explicitly when it comes to time management. And maybe you can, I can't off the top of my head. I think there are, there are many, many times where the, pr the principles are at play. Uh, what comes to mind is, you know, when Christ stood up and, and read from the scroll and the, and the only thing I'd like to uh, draw attention to in that is just 
the intentionality of how he used that time. Yes. Um, and, and the day that he was there, he was, he was present um, for the, uh, the reading of that portion of the scroll on that day uh, in that place. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot to be derived from that. And, and so, you know, over the years going to the school, you know, from time to time being late uh, for six years, I commuted 50 minutes and I passed three train tracks, you know, so sometimes mm -hmm. there was the perfect storm. And, and something that he taught me that I think is invaluable is, is seeking forgiveness from one another when we, when we're not loving others well with our time. And, and I've thought about it a lot over the years. I, I really have. I think it's, you know, I think it's one very small way that we can serve others yes. um, is, is being proactive. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can all probably think of somebody in our head that maybe embodies the other side of, um, of timeliness. And, and, um, and I think, I think what comes to the top for me and that I've noticed in you and obviously everyone can grow, uh, is there's just, uh, you and, and others in my life have been proactive with their time management. It's mindful. Um, they're thinking about it. Um, you know, I mean, um, you had to, to be at school on time, to be at work on time, to be preaching on Sunday on time, it's a series of decisions you're making, yeah. hopefully with others in mind. Yeah. Well, you know, something that you said there about others in mind really um, stuck out to me. Um, and it's this combination of uh, respecting people's time and also uh, focusing attention specifically on on them. It's kind of, a, it's, it's not unrelated to the comments you made about Jesus' sermon. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not just the case that our, that our time is limited, mm. but that our attention can vary. Mm -hmm. um, we're finite in time, and as you think of it in more philosophical and theological terms, we're right. finite in time. We're also finite in the number of things that we can pay attention mm -hmm. to effectively. Sure. Um, modern research has shown that there's no such thing as multitasking. Yeah, right. if, 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 you're, if you're multitasking two, two tasks that you can't automate mm -hmm. mentally, you're not multitasking, you're task switching, right. and you're not doing either job well, and there's a, there's a uh, cognitive cost that sure. it, it makes you less efficient yeah but also there's a real relational thing and the, the stereotype is you know you've got the, the guy and his um and his wife and his kids and they're all sitting in the coffee shop on saturday mm -hmm. morning and they're sort of precious time with each other and they're all on their phone <laughs> and i can yeah. still remember the first time i saw that and i'm still guilty of feeling the temptation and there are times you know i'm sitting at the breakfast table and i think oh i should just check something sure and it might be i just check something that's to do with what we're talking about yeah but it's perilously easy for that. I'll just check this thing which feeds into this conversation. Right. For that to drift to, oh, I'll just flip the Gmail icon as well. Yeah. And, and then suddenly your attention is on this, right. not on the person you're talking to. And something I, I think in truth, I find it, I'm less good at it with my wife and children than I am mm -hmm. with other people. Sure. I think, yeah. I, all of us, I, I think this is a genuine issue of godliness across many domains. We, we are more, Christ-like with people who we spend less time with, mm -hmm. um, Christians particularly, than we are with yeah. the people we're most familiar with. Right. And a sad fact. Yeah. And, yeah, and so sometimes it's like daytime with Nicole, I'll remember, and I'll just sort of slide my mobile phone across <laughs> the table to her, and she's like, yeah. good, thank you, I can yeah, sure. care of this. And, and it's, it's me trying to say I give 100% yeah. of my attention to you. And like I said, this is not me being some paragon of this. I, I'm conscious mostly of my failings in that regard. Yeah. But if you bring these two considerations together, it's the, the, the quantity of time we have mm -hmm. is limited. Right. And so with other people, so honor that. And the 
number of things we can pay attention to is limited. So pay particular close attention to whatever it is right. you're doing. If it's a person, it's that person. Right. Um, if it's a task, it's that task. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this is one of those areas where um, people have been aware for many, many generations of the wisdom of the scripture. Like I always think Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds okay. to do, work at it with all your might. Mm -hmm. Like that one thing. If right. you're if you're if you're washing the dishes, wash the dishes. Right. If you're writing a sermon, write a sermon. If you answer email, answer email. Right. But don't try and blend sermon and email. Sure. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for we'll get onto this perhaps when we talk about education later on. But when we're thinking about how to train young people to teach them this tremendous, uh, fulfilling discipline of focusing on one yeah. thing that you're doing. Um, the classic book on this is um, Csikszentmihalyi's book, Flow. Okay. Right? And he, he highlights, he really kick-started a whole movement of, of popular and semi-popular productivity books mm -hmm. where the underlying thesis is if you focus absolutely single-mindedly on something, you'll enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You'll be more productive at it. You'll um, you'll be better at doing other things. Um, you'll yeah. you'll be less mentally exhausted at the end mm -hmm. because your attention hasn't been switching back and forth. And, yeah. and we will find this. I've found sometimes that if I'm working on something, I've, I've been working for like 35, 40 minutes, and then I think, wow, I've got through a lot of stuff. I need a break. Can <laughs> I keep in the zone? Right, sure. And try and maximize that yeah. time. Or maybe you need a five-minute break after an hour and a quarter, and then you get back into it. Try and get in that flow zone. Right. Which is, uh, we, we, it's tempting to think of it as a discovery of modern psychology. <laughs> it's Solomon discovered sure. this. And uh, the Lord taught him this yeah. 3,000 years ago. Yeah? <laughs> so it's um, people unearthing proverbial wisdom. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, time, attention, non-distraction. These, yeah. yeah, there's a whole connection Right yeah, something I was taught a long time ago, what you're saying made me think of was uh, someone once taught me, uh, don't ever ask f uh, for five minutes from somebody, because if they're in a task, they have to check out of that task and then give you, and then redirect their attention to you. Mm -hmm. And then when they're done, redirect their attention back. So, I mean, make, making sure, you know, once again, loving others and their time management, uh, making sure that they can, there's a, there's a place for them to stop. Their focus, if it's yes. if it's if it's um, if it's not becoming something like the tyranny of the urgent, right? And so probably I would think, you know, um, in your uh, line of work and mine, the tyranny of the urgent is constant. You know, mm -hmm. this phone call, this emergency, this fire needs to be put out, um, this parishioner needs help, whatever it is. I mean, there's a myriad of different reasons, um, and it would be so easy. And probably self gratifying for us to take on 47 different things. Um, and, and I think learning how to value, uh, um, value um, whatever you're doing in that moment most, learning how to prioritize, really it all plays into time management. It all plays into that. So let me ask you this then. So with, when it comes to time management, have you heard the phrase structured procrastination? <laughs> have you heard that phrase? Mm -hmm. what, what, make, make sure I'm understanding it the same way that you are. How, how would you understand that? Well, I would think it would be something like... Um, from this task to this task, and then you're 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 letting that go for a time, and then picking it up later. Right, and the, the I'm glad I asked you then because I think um, I I don't I haven't checked what the term technically means. Sure. Yeah. Um, but 
the way that it's been described to me in an informal sense has been, <clears throat> let's imagine you've got um, one really big task mm -hmm. that you need to do, which is really hard work, sure. right? Which is maybe going to take you 20 hours. So for me, that would be writing a sermon. Okay. Uh, I, need, I need to do that this week. But then I've got loads of other little tasks which are more immediately gratifying, uh -huh. easier to get started sure. with. Um, uh, they are less mentally demanding. Um, and if I've got a to-do list, I can tick off eight things sure. in a morning and feel like I've had a great morning. <laughs> but what I'm actually doing is finding ways of not doing the one thing I need to do. Right. And so uh, time allocation, time management, um, starts to become Christian duty mm -hmm. at the point where um, you are procrastinating. You're, right. you're, not, you're not doing the thing you need to do, but the way you're procrastinating is by doing other things right. that kind of need doing and, yeah. and kind of they palliate your sense of guilt about not sharing sure. one yeah. thing. And, so, and it, now for me, it's writing a sermon. That's the big demanding task I mm -hmm. do each week. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, there are so many other things <laughs> that, like a conversation like this is much less mentally intense than right. sitting down with a pile of 12 books. Yeah. Calling up somebody. Um, I could just go visit people and just drop in on eight or ten people, and it wouldn't be bad. Right. And most people would appreciate it, and I try and do some of that, sure. and I try and build that into my time, but there's this trade-off between those tasks and the big tasks that yeah. you need to and I, it's always interesting to me to, to talk to people about their vocations. And I mean, do you find you've got similar yeah. um, trade-offs between different sorts of tasks that you yeah. need to do? Well, certainly. I mean, there's I have a, a list of priorities, and, and one of them probably at the highest is is teacher training and time in classrooms, right. um, and and doing everything I can to serve that particular teacher um, in the class or with with whatever they're whatever they're teaching or. Um, whatever they're learning and and yeah, there's a million different things that I could probably be doing sending emails and trying to build relationships with pastors or um, You know dealing with whatever conflict that might arise or discipline, you know dealing mm -hmm. with sin in the classroom Which is a huge component of what we do at the school and and all of those things are easy They're, they're easy to to give into mm -hmm. and I and I wonder you're saying that I wonder how much um, um, You're probably familiar way more familiar than I am with the other side of the sin of sloth, mm -hmm. right? There's the idleness and then there's the busyness. And it's, yeah, yeah. I think the Bible uses it in the same way with the same word. And, and I can't help but think of like, it is a type of laziness, isn't it? What do you mean? By, uh, by uh, the uh, structured procrastination. Yeah. 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 Because what it is, is let's it's um, the elephant in the room is too formidable to tackle. <laughs> right. And so you squashing ants the whole time. Yeah. And, and you can justify it because the ants need to be squashed. Right. And what? And meanwhile, what happens is your household is falling to pieces. Sure. Um, or you're not doing your job properly. Um, and we'll, I mean, in educational terms, I think if you think of what's the imagine you're a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the single most demanding long-term task that you can imagine in relation to your children? It, probably up there in the top three is educating them. Right. Getting them from age two, can talk but can't read, to age 18, um, a fully functioning, well-rounded, educated adult. Right. And the education will look different in different contexts. We'll talk about that. But, but 
it's so <laughs> difficult sure. and so demanding to force yourself to plan um, the next, you know, have a, a sketch of the next 15 years. And then you're going to think, okay, well, what am I going to try and do this year? And what curricula are we going to use? And then, okay, so what are we going to do this week? And, it'll, and so it's today, it's Monday morning. How are we going to get started on this big thing? And it's one of the things for which I admire home educators, of which I include my wife principally in our home. She does most of the teaching of our children. So much when they, every day, it's like they're chipping away right. at Mount Everest. <laughs> and right. And you don't see the day-by-day -day payback, really. We all talk about how rewarding it is to be an educator, and it is a tremendous blessing. Sure. I love teaching. Uh, you're a teacher. You love. You must love teaching otherwise. Oh, I love it. Right. Yeah. We all, we all love the excitement of seeing somebody kind of, their eyes light up. Yeah, they get excited. Yeah. <laughs> but we also know that it's such a long game. Sure. And when it's with your own kids and your own family, there's so much that it's just easier to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... How, how do you appropriately value those precious years of your child's growth? Mm -hmm. And um, eat the frog is the mm -hmm. old saying. Sure. It's like if you've got to eat a frog, eat it in the morning. If you've got to eat two, eat the big one first. <laughs> and yeah. you know, so you, you, you need to teach your child to read and to do math yeah. when they're young. So when are you going to do that? Oh, we'll just go out and play in the garden for a couple of hours. But no, come on, let's be serious. Yeah. Let's. You know, whatever model of education you're going to follow, let's be realistic about the, the very low likelihood of getting to the super demanding tasks if we don't put them up front. And right. I think that's a, yeah. that's a really big part of sure. wise education. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean uh, teleology, right? I mean, yeah. like, you need to know where you're headed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and so in that regard, you know, thinking about time management, um, in this small, tiny little instance of proactively being on time, loving others, there's a couple of things that spring to mind, and, and I'm interested to know what you think. Um, how does one's eschatology play into that? How does, mm -hmm. how does one's understanding of what happens on Sunday uh, help structure that? Um, you know, in, in some, you know, when it comes to Sabbath or uh, the Lord's Day in particular, it's it's like one of those things that I, I feel like is connected to so many things mm -hmm. as I explore how it's connected. And and I think it's probably pretty fair to say that we live in a culture that has almost completely lost touch with um, with a, a structured time, you know, the Lord's mm -hmm. Day being a pivotal, non-negotiable time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, that plays into one's eschatology too. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot, right? Yeah, no, so... Well, let's, let's talk about Sabbath and Lord's Day first. I'd like to call it Lord's Day because that's what the Bible calls it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Sabbath is Sabbath. Um, uh, Christian Sabbath, fair enough. That's what the Puritans call Sunday. But you're, you're right. There's, um, it is one of the greatest acts of faith mm. to not work one-seventh of the time <laughs> and to trust that the Lord will provide for you. And I think at the most basic level, um, there are many guys, particularly um, people who own and run their own businesses, um, people yeah. who are trying to set up a side hustle or whatever it is, <laughs> which is you know sort of a great idea sure. in, in the modern economy to multiple income streams. Um, for whom the temptation to um, just let that leak into the Lord's days just clearly too great, mm -hmm. uh, and it's evident it's too great because you're not seeing them at church. At right. church, and 
And the, the problem is what they're doing is they're waking up on Sunday and trying to decide whether to go to church. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong way to do it. We should, there are certain things you should decide to do once. Right. And then put in place whatever structures you need to, to make it very easy for you to carry. Right. So That's a huge point like right. that, that applies to so many different areas right. of the Christian right. life. So now, now sometimes once you've decided you, your kind of your character and your desires and your family circumstances will shape your life such that it becomes a, a, one of those godly automatic things. You right. get up, you go to church. Yeah. I mean, tithing is, is... Tithing is the, the obvious other one. Right. And so we, we could have these endless debates about whether it's an appropriate thing to have the offering presented during a worship service mm-hmm. as a particular liturgical action. I think that's there's appropriate, appropriateness in that. But I also think there's wisdom in... Um, uh, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, because sure. otherwise your left hand might stop your right hand from doing <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and so if, you, if, if it will help you to tithe faithfully, then um, set up an automatic payment mm-hmm. monthly. Um, and if you don't know what your income is going to be at the end of the year, estimate and then correct it when you fill in sure. your tax return. Yeah. Right? Nobody's going to mind if you send in an extra $500 at the end of the year. Our treasurer will be thrilled. Right? Yeah. But um, it's, it's, um, it's just a... Put in place the structures which will help you to be faithful. So on the Lord's Day, and just go back away from the tithing thing, I think a lot of guys, they feel the week-to-week pressure on their time, and they feel like this Sunday is a big sacrifice of time, which is mine. I can't really afford it this time. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm, it's, it's completely upside right. down. So um, to say to the living God what a friend of mine said, and he's, this is a, a man I've spoken about before. He's a Christian he opened a restaurant just north of London in 2008, right in the middle of the worst recession in modern history. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. That's he opened a restaurant and he's never opened on a Sunday. Mm. Um, all of his staff get Sunday off. And that is totally unheard of in the British hospitality industry. Yeah. Everybody that's is working Friday night, Saturday and Sunday, unless you own the business and you can afford, quote unquote, just take time off. And, he, and he's just saying, look, this is not what we're going to do. The Lord will not bless our business if we try and conduct it in some way which is right. out of line with his word. And so he launches business. He's got a bunch of staff. Some are Christians, some are not. Yeah. But they're all being blessed by his um, uh, the company. He's now got, I think, it's three or four outlets. The different retail. That's great. And he's like, you look on TripAdvisor. Uh, you'll find him. Yeah. Bar Aziza. Sure. It's okay, just, check that out. It's good. Um, uh, and <laughs> We're not sponsored. <laughs> no, yeah. Nick Pike doesn't even know I'm saying this. But now that's a great example of somebody who made a decision once yeah. that he's going to keep the fourth commandment. Sure. So um, that, that kind of feeds yeah. into this. Um, you can do that if and only if you trust that the Lord is in control of your personal history. Right. Mm. Because you on the face of it, he's slashing in half the weekend time available for income from his business. Right. And I know, you know every guy who runs an AC business or is a plumber or all these things, obviously you can charge extra for a Sunday call-out. Right. Yeah. So why wouldn't you? Well, you wouldn't because you trust that the Lord will provide sure. for you if you don't do that kind of business because you're prioritizing something else. Yeah. God, my, my old friend David Fields used to say, God gives time to those who pray. Mm. And he quote Joshua chapter 10. Okay. <laughs> Sun standing still. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I just thought, yeah, there's, there's some exegetical stepping stones yeah, to share sure. there, you know? But um, uh, yeah, but, yeah. And, and you actually witness this in your own life. You can see it, actually. If you look 
if, if you try and suppose you try and work for a whole morning on a particular task, anything that's creative or requires any kind of uh, high level cognitive input from you, the return on your time will be uneven. Mm. And again, I'll just speak autobiographically. When I'm writing sermons, sometimes I'll be banging my head against a brick wall for three hours and get nowhere. Sure. And sometimes I open one book at page 263 and there's the answer. So, <laughs> yeah. And so God gives productivity. Mm -hmm. all, all of that, the hard work getting nowhere and the gift on page 260, whatever it was, sure. is a gift of God. Yeah. Do you believe that that's the case? Do you believe that the Lord will provide those maybe even tangible moments mm. of productivity in your schoolwork, in your um, building a business, in answering emails, in um, writing a business plan, in whatever it is, he will give you what you need if you are faithful to him yeah. with the way you use your time. And all of that is so distinctly eschatological. Right. I mean, there's there's so much to say. And, and you know, I mean, I think, uh, the Proverbs will speak of uh, your friend. I, perhaps he, he were open on Sunday. Um, you know, and there, there's a proverb, can't, it doesn't come to the top of my mind, that talks about, like, um, the gains of the wicked, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how yeah, they yeah, will yeah. prevail. And and then, you know, I can't help but think of uh, uh, Jordan talking about the Enoch factor. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. so it's like, um, essentially, the Enoch factor is um, people who aren't, in, you know, concerned with morality or, or yes. Christianity are able to produce so much more and get so much further, uh, you know, maybe down the road of this particular line of business because they're not, <laughs> there's nothing pressing against them to do the right thing. And, right. Um, well, if you find in the early chapters of Genesis, the, the technological advances in the short term yeah. were made by the ungodly line. Right. So, and you can think of it in, okay, if, if suppose you say, I'm going to disregard the fourth commandment mm. for six months. And see what happens. Well, you may find that your income goes up in the short sure, term. Right. Um, I don't know whether that's what um, uh, the Enoch factor refers to. Maybe it is. Um, but the, the point about the way this intersects with eschatology is that biblical Christian eschatology is long-term, right. multifaceted, and interconnected in all kinds of ways that we don't realize. Yeah. So that what might look to you like a short-term gain in turnover for your uh, plumbing business is going to propagate in God's providence into all kinds of right. long-term negative effects in your relationships, in your spiritual life, in your life period, and very likely in your business too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because it turns out that human beings need to rest. That's just like, sure. um, I, I always remember what I heard, um, heard the other Jordan, <laughs> um, talking about, um, he was asked a question. This was a few years ago now. Um, before, well, he was famous, but he wasn't that famous. He was asked a question about his working habits, and he said, I made a decision early in my career to get up early every morning and to work as hard as I possibly could until last thing at night. And I think he had in mind something like 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. Um, and I just thought, man, you're going to do yourself in. Yeah. Two years later, he's right. flying around the world trying to find hospitals that will treat him for all the effects of sure. exhaustion and flying around the world and trying to speak at all these places, plus all the drug withdrawal stuff. And yeah. heart goes out to him. Wonderful to hear that, well, I don't know what he believes anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't suppose he does, actually. Yeah. But 
He's getting seemingly po uh, positive and optimistic. He, yeah, it's he seems physically healthier. He's obviously been talking to some Christians. Yeah, you know, pray for the guy. You know, but right, but I just thought you, there is a picture of a guy who's <laughs> this particular Christian teaching about the need to rest mm -hmm. and to worship the God who made us. Has just passed him by. He's not, and he's going to bear the consequences. Now, your point about eschatology. In, in the end, all of these short-term things pile into long-term right. effects. And um, I, I, one more pastoral anecdote. I, another good friend of mine from back in um, England, he is a professional musician and for a lot of pro musicians. Now, okay, well, Sunday afternoon, is, on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon is a big time for gigs in London because you've got mm. the kind of lunchtime, cafe, sure. brunch things. Okay. And he said, I'm not going to do that. And then he said, on one occasion, he said, Pastor, what about... Um, like Saturday night gigs, because I could be up in the north of England, five hours away from London, doing a gig, and it might finish at midnight or two in the morning. What do I do? And I just said to him, break your neck to get to church. Right. And I think there were one or two times when he would you know, drive back, perhaps get an hour or two sleep, <laughs> you know, stumble into the car. His wife would drive him and his kids to church, and he'd come. He'd, I think he might have fallen asleep at worship once. I don't think he fell asleep at worship. Uh, um, not a commentary and, and, on the no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, Probably was commentary on the server. But um, uh, and, and I said to him, look, if you if you need to just go outside uh, as soon as the service finishes, don't stick around for lunch. Just go and sleep in your car. Or go. Nobody's going to mind. But sure. here's what what's the one thing? Here's the key thing. What's the one thing that your kids are going to remember about their dad if you have this attitude to mm -hmm. worship? They're going to be telling their friends in 20 years' time. Yeah, my dad, he was always working late Saturday night. And he'd come home, and sometimes he wouldn't get any sleep at all, but he would be at church with us. Yeah, that's great. And so what's going to shape them? Right. It's going to be that experience. Yeah. So again, it's, the in that case, quite predictable, but essentially unpredictable, long-term, in our lives, eschatological consequences yeah. of that kind of faithfulness. Yeah. Now, if you think that the Lord is going to show steadfast love to a thousand generations of those who love him, how many offspring are you going to have in a thousand generations? Right. Like, we haven't had a thousand generations yeah. since Adam. Yeah. So, yeah, it's we, exponential. We, we have, to, to see the way that we rest, the way that we worship, the way that we honor the Lord and do good to ourselves in the use of our time on the Lord's day is having that eschatological connection. You know, we started this discussion with how do you how do you honor others in the use of your time? Mm -hmm. Well, let's just remember we, we honor the author of time as well. And we discover actually that turns out to be best for us too. So let's get practical. You know, as we come to an end of this discussion, what are some practical elements um, that we can that, that you would recommend implementing? I mean, is it as simple as waking up five minutes earlier? Um, it might be simply just waking up two hours earlier. Um, I think uh, there's a number of different things. I, I, and start with the most obvious, I mean, from what we've talk, said about the Lord's Day. Mm -hmm. That's a decision that um, I think most of our audience, um, I hope most of our audience, has made. But there'll be some folks sure. who are, in truth, um, uh, you guys, you need to rethink um, and actually make that decision once and stick to it. Mm -hmm. um, then, uh, and, and that might, might be the case even for young people who've been raised in Christian homes, never missed a Sunday except when they've been ill or you know, mm -hmm. unavoidably away. 
you know, you're about to go away to college. You know, you're kind of half a step removed from home or a full step removed from home. You need to jump back into that habit straight away. So there's that. The next thing I think, um, there is something just biblical about striving for punctuality, honoring other people's time. Yeah. Um, and I think then undistracted attention, single-minded attention to the task that we're doing, um, to the person we're talking to, right. to the job we're doing, much better to have um, 50 minutes of absolutely undivided, single-minded focus on this task, and then a 20-minute break, than to have an hour and 10 minutes of flitting back and forth. Yeah. In a set, yeah, set sure. an alarm for you. I sometimes do that. I sometimes set myself like a, an hour and a half timer. Sure. I say, I'm going to work. I'm not even going to stand up in the desk. I don't need the bathroom. I've had some coffee. I, I'm just going to work for an hour and a half. Yeah. And um, I take the distractions away from you, the mobile phone. I, I sometimes just put the mobile phone on silent face down on the other side of the desk. Sure. I'm not... I'm not so important that I need to answer every phone call. If somebody leaves a message, I'll call them back. You need to go back to beepers, I think. <laughs> think? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can still remember the, the, the first time I heard of those. And it was yeah. in a sermon from an Australian preacher who said, those little bleepers, <laughs> he said, may they never enter the pastoral ministry. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's probably a bad thing, wouldn't it? Just be constantly interrupted. Sure. No yeah. one us. Yeah, right. Down the rabbit hole on that one. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. give us any final thoughts from you that we'll wrap this one. Yeah, um, you know, I think what you said, what sticks out to me that I think um, is is worthy of repeating again is the decision. You know, just making the decision once. Yeah. I mean, that that principle applies for so many different things. I, you know, I think you know some people struggle with this more than others, but I do think there is like a simplicity to it. It's like I'm making the decision. Mm. Um, yeah. It's not an option to miss church tomorrow yeah. or next Sunday or the Sunday after that. It's not an option to, to be late, you know, when my colleagues are waiting on me. It's not an option for me uh, to, to, to think about this person um, and then think about this person over here and try to split my attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when we, when we think about it as um, taking ourselves out of the center of the attention yeah. That, you know, that I'm the main character kind of thinking in, in this play that, you know, that that I operate in um, and then truly serving others. Yeah. And it, it, it resituates our priorities and forces us to think about how we might serve others in, in, a, in a various amount of ways, not just with our timeliness. Yeah. Yeah. Automate the things that yeah. aren't automatic, but which are important. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We should wrap up. Yeah. Um, I hope that's been good and helpful to yeah. you guys. Um, uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of other things. So this will probably come out in one week, and then the next few weeks we'll be talking about education and a bunch yeah. of things related to that, so tune in. Uh, but for now, that'll do from us. The Lord bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.